All right, well, how are you guys doing this morning? All right, good, good. Um, we're glad that you're here. Today, I'm glad to be here as well. And to start off this morning, this is what I want to do. I want to ask you a question. Okay, now this is what I want from you. A little bit of honesty, all right, with yourself, with me. It, you don't have to, whatever. Anyway, with yourself mostly. Here's the question. You guys ready? Okay, how many of you are like me? And that you have some people, it could be a person, it could be multiple people, probably is multiple people. You have people in your life, and this could be someone at, this could be people at work, at school, it could be a neighbor, it could be that guy at the grocery store, it could be people within your own family, all right? Let's be honest with ourselves. How many of you have, have people, how many of you are like me where you have people in your life that you try to avoid at all costs? Yeah, okay, this all of us, almost. I didn't see anybody not raise their hand. Dang, okay, a little too honest. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That's good. But let's be honest with ourselves. Uh, some people, it's not like they're like bad people. It's just, there's a variety of reasons. Some people are just talkers, and you know. They're nice, they're nice but they're, they just talk. You know if you enter into that conversation, it's really hard to exit. And so you're like, eh, I'm going this way today. Uh, other people, it's because of personality differences. I mean, some personalities we find more annoying than others, and so we just don't want to deal with it. Or some people we view as immature, and so it's like, I don't feel like laughing at that corny joke today, and like I did last time five times. And, or some people, some of us, it's this. It's, we just have awkward history. You have anybody who just, it's just awkward, like it's not just awkward for you, it's awkward for them as well, and you, it's just tension, because something happened a year and a half ago, or three years ago, or five years, or ten years ago, where it's like they said something, or they did this, or this happened, and so you guys just haven't like, hasn't been like fixed yet, you're just like, you know, it's like you revert back to how it was in middle school, after you just break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, and then you have to go the next day and sit in class next to them, you know what I'm talking about? That feeling where you're just like, Hi. You have nothing, like, it's that, all right? I think sometimes that's some of the reasons. Um, it's interesting because I think every single one of us struggle with this or do this to a certain extent, and James is about to punch us in our soul today. Like, he's been punching me all week as I'm studying through this, and, uh, and we're going to look at what he has to say or what God actually has to say specifically about stuff like that. For the last few weeks, we have been diving into the book of James, and really, James is a letter, and it was written by... Uh, James, who happened to be the half-brother of Jesus. So super interesting perspective. And he does come at everything with a little bit different of a perspective there. And uh, James, remember when Jesus was doing his things, doing his ministry, James didn't buy it. He was like, nah, yeah, you're my brother, I love you, all that kind of stuff. But James was going around telling people that Jesus was crazy. Don't listen to this guy, Jesus is crazy. It wasn't until after Jesus died and rose again on the third day that James like, okay, all right, all right, I, I, I was wrong, you're God. Right, it's the resurrection that changed James' mind because he, he, he saw, saw Jesus with his own eyes. He couldn't, he couldn't, you know, he, that, he, he, I can't even think what I'm trying to say. He couldn't, he couldn't deny it, all right, he, he couldn't. And so, um, that's, so that's going on. And James, it's just so interesting that for just a matter of months, James goes from, hey, Jesus is crazy. You shouldn't listen to what he has to say to James, one of the main leaders in the church, this new thing called the church. 
Just, uh, just a, a few years later, James, all the disciples and Paul is there, all like the, major, like the big like the, the bigwigs, they're all there in Jerusalem talking about a problem that they're like, hey, what do we do? This church is a new thing. What's your God want us to do? And they're all looking to James for leadership. This guy who didn't even believe. And so it's just, it's just interesting, you know, when Jesus was on earth, it's, it's just interesting, James' point of view. And so James, he is writing this letter to all the Christians who are being dispersed. And that's exactly what was happening when uh, Christianity started, when the church started, is that the government came down hard on people, other religions came down hard on people, and people were, people were dying. I mean, it's just terrible, horrible, horrible stuff. And so James starts off his letter, he's saying, hey, I know you been scattered. I know you guys, like, bad stuff is happening to you. I know you've been chased away from your homes, and some of you guys, you've had to leave everything you've had, and you've lost everything that you've had. He said, hey, yeah, 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 that's a life thing. You will have trials in this life. Expect it. In fact, James tells us that, hey, God can use those bad things in your life actually for your good, so you can have joy in that. Interesting take. But trials aren't the only things that's going to be entering our life. We also, he also goes on to talk about temptation, how temptation hits us from all different sides, and we need to not give it our attention, and then don't go even further and give it your affection either. He's like, hey, you need to resist temptation, and God will help you out with that. And so he's, he talks about that, and then after that, he shifts, and this is where we were talking about last week, to talking about the way that we live our life. First he's talking about the inside, then he starts talking about the outside and what we look like. It says the way that you live your life, it matters. He gives two things. He says, hey, you need to, number one, hear the word. That means what? That means you gotta read this thing, this thing that we call the Bible, God's word. He's like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take it in, you gotta hear the word. But then after you do that, you, you got to do it. Some of us, we're, we're so bad at, at doing both, right? Like we don't read the Bible. Maybe we come in once, you know, every Sunday. Maybe we're here every week, but that's the only time we get Bible. And that's, that's, that's not a good relationship with God. I, you don't have a good relationship with God if that's the case. Because you're not, you're not hearing the word. How could you do what God wants you to do if you don't know what God says? And so, um, and so others of us, we, we hear the word and, and we read the Bible. Some of us, we know so much about this book, but we just don't do what it says. And James is like, hey. What's the point? Cool, you got a bunch of knowledge about God. Cool, you have a bunch of knowledge about the Bible. If you don't act on that, it's completely worthless. And so he talks about that and how it takes both. You gotta hear the word and then you gotta do it. And now, today, he corrects some thinking that's really at the forefront of our society, clearly us here today, that you and I deal with on a regular basis. And this is what he starts off um, talking about in chapter two. Now, for this morning, let me just tell you straight up, um, if you're new here and this is one of your first times and you're like, you know, you're still trying to figure out the whole Jesus thing and, and where you stand and you're trying to soak it all in, good. We want you here. Ask your questions. This is where you need to be. We have, there's, there's answers, all right? There's answers in this book. But this message, really what we're going to be looking at today, James specifically talks about is for Christians, Okay, it's for people who have given their lives over to Jesus. Really, it's for those of us who call grace our, our church home or are part of, our, part of our church family here. And so for you guys, I want you to pay attention. All right? Some of you guys are like, what? What do you say? All right. No, so pay attention. This is important. Uh, this is really, really good stuff. And God has been working with me this week on this. So hopefully he works on you as well. If you're new, sit back, relax. Enjoy it, listen in, but it's for us. Okay, 
Ready? James chapter 2, verse 1. Diving in? Okay. Come on, people. Give me some, yeah. All right. There we go. Let me know you're alive out there. All right. Some people are already asleep. Okay. Thanks for that, lady. All right. Here's how he starts. He says, hey, my brothers and sisters, interesting. It's the same way we looked at that he started last week, right? He, before he tells us what to do, he reminds us who we are. He's saying, hey, you guys are a family. You guys are together. We're all a family. Um, if you've given your life over to Jesus, you are part of the church family. That is just true. Here, Tiffin, Ohio, Grace Community Church 2021, we are a family. That's what we're supposed to be. Sometimes we don't act like it the best, but, but we're supposed to be a family. So he says, my brothers and sisters, my family, he says, do not show favoritism. Now what does that, what's that mean? Okay. Really, in the Greek, in the original language, it literally means face-taking. Like, you look at someone's face and you make a judgment call on their face. All right? So he says, don't do that. So do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, hey, there's two things here that he's mentioning. Number one, he's mentioning favoritism, and this is something that we do. Number two, he mentions our faith. This is something that we have. And he's saying, hey, you cannot hold on to both at the same time. You can't hold on to favoritism, showing uh, playing favorites basically with, with people, and we'll get into exactly what that means in just a second. You can't show favoritism and hold on to your faith and have a great relationship with God. You can't do both. It's inconsistent as a true Christian. Now, this is big because all of us do this, including myself. Like, like we do this, some of us more than others, I'm sure. What we end up doing is we look at somebody and we prejudge on what we see, which isn't inherently bad. The issue is we are bad judges, Right? We see someone and we judge, we judge them based on what we can see, but our judgment as human beings is flawed, greatly flawed. And that's not how God judges anyway, right? God judges from the inside. And, but we as humans, we cannot know the inside, so we judge from the outside, and that creates a problem because our judgment stinks. By the way, this is not a white or black thing. This is not a man or woman thing like the world is constantly shoving down our throats. All right, this is a human thing. Everybody. It's not some groups don't struggle with this. Some groups struggle with this more. It's, it's we all do it. And we see this. I mean, we see this all the way back in the Old Testament. Remember the story where God rejects Saul, King Saul, as king of Israel? And, uh, and really for just being an idiot, just doing a bunch of stupid stuff. And... Uh, and he, God tells this to Samuel. Samuel's a prophet going around during that day. And Samuel's like bummed. He's like, God, you reject Saul. God, I put so much work into Saul. I get that he's not perfect. I get that he does this dumb, stupid stuff that's just wrong. Exactly what you tell him not to do. He goes and does. And it's like, ah. Oh. You know, he's like, he's like I'm, you know, I get that. And so Samuel's just like, he's just bummed. And God goes to Samuel. And he says, hey, quit your crying. Stand up. I want you to go to Bethlehem. There's this guy named Jesse in town. He's got a bunch of sons. I got one of his kids that I are actually already picked out as a future king. Samuel's like, all right. So he goes. says this in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. And uh, this is the oldest one. He says, hey, wow, look at this guy. Certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. He's like, 
this guy looks like a king. He's tall, he's handsome, he's got the tan, he's got all the muscles, all that stuff. All right. But the Lord said to Samuel, he says, no, 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 no. Do not look at his appearance or his stature because I've rejected that guy. Interesting. And then, this verse is so important because this is something that God had to teach Samuel the prophet. And this is something that really we need to remember today. He says, humans do not see what the Lord sees. It's like, I see more than you, Samuel. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. And the heart's what matters. See, anyone can act like they're good on the outside. Anyone can fake it. It's not that hard to do. We see that all the time. But our, in, our, in our judgment call, because the people put on these fake fronts, our judgment call um, is it, not accurate most of the time. I mean, even Jesus points this out. We see 2,000 years after this, 2,000 years ago, um, kind of right in the middle, Jesus, he's, he's doing his thing. And he's, remember, he always was going back and forth with the religious leaders of that day. One time Jesus tells him, he says, hey, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. He's like, hey, you guys look so good. You guys, everything's painted. Everything looks good. Everything's even beautiful, some would say. But he's like, but you're still a tomb. He's like, inside you're filled with deading, dead, rotten things. He's like, it's not, it, you're just rotting away on the inside. He also calls them like dishes. He's like, hey, you religious leaders, you guys are like dishes that you wash the outside, but you forget to wash the inside, which is the part that needs to be washed the most. It's where you put your food. He's like, you're like dishes. We're on the outside, you're clean, but the inside is filthy. See, James is pointing back to this principle that Jesus gave, saying, hey, it's really easy to look good on the outside. And because of that, we shouldn't be judging people based on the way that they look. James says, don't judge people on outward appearance. And then he actually gives us an example. And this is more of a hypothetical situation that James gives us. So picture this, James. He's, uh, he's like, all right, let me give you, let me say this. Back to James 2, verse 2. He says, for someone, let's, let's picture this. Someone comes into your meeting. What's meeting? This isn't like you're meeting at work or, hey, is, I'm meeting somebody for coffee. This is literally, assemb- the word is like assembly, meaning church meeting. It's what we're doing here today. Literally, service. We could say service. Let's say that. So if someone comes into your service, your church service, here at Grace, wearing a gold ring, this is someone who has status. This is somebody that, that looks like they got everything put together. The literal, um, the literal pronunciation is, is like gold finger man in shiny clothes. Okay, that's what, this, that's what James says. He says, let's say someone comes into your church service. They're wearing a gold ring. They got the shiny clothes. They're dressed in fine clothes. And then a poor person also comes in. This person is dressed in filthy clothes. This is the idea of a beggar. This is the idea of this person stinks and this person's clothes are shabby. Okay, so you got a shiny clothes person. You got a shabby clothes person. That person also comes in. So we get what's going on here. We get the scenario? All right, we get where James is going? Okay. He says, if you look with favor, meaning if you favor one or the other, or you have this feeling of admiration for one and not for the other, especially the one wearing the fine clothes, the shiny clothes, and you say, hey, good morning. How was your week? Good to see you. Hey, you can sit here in this good place. I got this seat for you. This is all good. Yet you say to the poor person, hey, good morning. Glad that you're here. Hope that you had a good week. Hey, uh, there's a spot over there. You could go stand over there, or you can, you can uh, sit here on the floor by my footstool, or, you know, right here. 
He says, haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? He's like, isn't that wrong? He's saying, you got two equal people that come in. You see what they look like. You, look, you, you judge them by the clothes that they wear, how clean they are, the way that they carry themselves. You judge them by their age, maybe their sex. The world tells us, you know, their race. And he's saying, you don't treat them, if you don't treat them equally, man, you've just made a judgment call. And James says, then that, that call is evil. He calls it what it is. It's one thing I like about James. He's so, so blunt, all right? He's like, that's, that, that's evil. Now, what's he not saying here? He's not saying, this is where we, our society kind of goes off on a tangent. He's not just saying that poor is good, rich is bad, all right? That's not, that's not at all what he's saying. The Bible tells us that everyone's bad, right? We're all bad. We're all messed up. We all got our issues. Um, he's saying it's, it's, it's okay to be shiny, and it's all right to be shabby, okay? There's, it's all right to, to be one or the other. Here in our society, in our world, I feel like, it, here especially in the United States, I feel like we favor one or the other. It's just, it's just how we are, especially, you know, the poor and the middle class people. We always look at the rich people as, hey, they're scamming somebody. They're doing somebody dirty. You know, it's that type of thing. It's why we have things like... Um, Rich people pay a higher percentage of tax, a lot higher percentage of tax. That's why statistically rich people get sued more. And just, just all this stuff is because they got the money and we view it, hey, they should be trickling that money down to us. It's interesting that here God is saying, don't do that. Treat them equal. We're not supposed to do that. And so uh, the world, it's just everywhere in the world. And it has the potential to creep into our church, and we're supposed to be on the lookout for that. It's interesting, um, in this particular case, he's talking about, hey, a lot of times we prefer the rich. And why, why do we do that? It's because they shine, and we want some of their, you know, they're shiny, and we want some of their shine on us. That's not how we're supposed to work. That's a problem that we see everywhere in the world. It's not supposed to be here in the church. It's interesting, uh, speaking about the world, that the world makes uh, status claims based on appearance all the time. But then the world oftentimes cries loudly, cries out, especially loudly, when people make status claims based on appearance. It's like the world does this all the time, but then shames people who do this all the time. It, it, you look at TV, right? There's no, like, ugly host. Have you noticed that? Or news anchor. Or anybody like that. Everybody looks good. They're all about the same. It's just interesting how that is. Because the world focuses on how we look. The world also, especially within the last year, has really been hammering down on race. It's interesting how that works. Because the world tells us, hey, you're this race, then you're this way. If you're that race, then you're that race. Or then you're that way. Hey, people of this race, you shouldn't like people of this race and people of this race. All right, you, uh, you, know, you should be mad at people of this race. And it's just all over the place. It's all about outward appearance. We're grouping ourselves into groups. It's all about outward appearance. And many times the people that yell for equality the loudest are the worst at favoring certain types of people. See, we, you know, we hear people, we hear this all the time. It's, hey, we need more women, or we need more men, or we, mean, we need more young people, or we need more old people, or we no, need more people of this race. No, we need more people of this race. All right, what are they saying? It's, hey, we need more people like me. 
That's what the world is constantly yelling out, and that should not be in the church, right? But here in the church, we do it. We might do different things. Some of us, it's how people dress or political affiliation or where you're from. Hey, I'm from here. You're from there, so you're not as good. You know, uh, what, what age you are. I think this is one of the biggest ones, to be honest. You, know, you, hear, from, you hear from older people that say, you know, kids these days, they got us so easy. And kids these days, they don't know. It's just all this stuff. And then you hear from the younger generation where they're like, Older people, old people, they're so out of tune with reality. They're so out of touch. James is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all over the world. That is all around us. That can't be in the church. Now, we all have differences, right? Like we're different. Yeah, okay. I'm not saying that we shouldn't see, or he's not saying that we shouldn't see differences. We should see differences. God made us different. He made us different on purpose. It wasn't like, oh, oh, shoot, I made these two people different. They're supposed to be this. It's not, it's not what happened. He's saying, be careful on making value judgment based on external looks. He then gives us two arguments. The first is from God's standpoint, and the second is from man's standpoint. James, verse 5, next verse. He says, listen, all right, pay attention, focus in. Listen, guys. My dear brothers and sisters, listen, family. He says, didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? What's he saying? He's saying, hey, aren't there going to be poor people? Like people who are poor, aren't some of those people going to be able to go to heaven? And you're like, what? Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah. That he has promised to those who love him. Yet you have dishonored the poor. Yet you've dishonored them because of something else. He said, don't the rich oppress you and drag you into court? Don't they blaspheme the good name that was invoked over you? He's saying, hey, God doesn't choose like the world chooses. God looks at the inside. And if you look at the poor, for example, there's poor people that get to go to heaven because they give their lives over to Jesus. And so that's how God chooses. But then he goes into kind of man's standpoint here. And he's, again, he, remember, James is writing to a group of people who have been persecuted. A lot of them had lost everything. A lot of them have had loved ones killed because of their faith in Jesus. Like, this is big stuff that none of us here have had to even come close to dealing with. And James is just like, hey, by the way, from our standpoint, you're kissing up to the same people who are taking away your livelihoods and taking away everything that you own. James is like scratching his head here. He's like, the way that you show favoritism, like the way that you're doing it, doesn't even make sense. Because you're not getting any benefit out of it. Like it opposes logic because the people that you show favoritism to because they look good are the same ones that are treating you bad. And so he's like, why? What's going on here? Your whole logic, our whole logic is, is flawed. Next verse. He goes on, he says, indeed, if you fulfill the royal law prescribed in the scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. We've heard that before, right? Even if we haven't been in a church, this is our first day in a church ever, we've heard that before. Uh, it's interesting because God gave the Jewish people the Old Testament law, okay? Just tons and tons and tons of rules that they had to follow. And God did this for a few different reasons. One of the, the main two were basically, number one, God wanted to keep the Israelite people um, as separate nation. They didn't want to mix in with other nations. Why? Because they, he, had to, he needed to keep the line intact for this coming Messiah, the Savior that was going to save all of us from our sins, Jesus. Okay, so that's the reason. So he wanted them to remain distinct, which is interesting because the Jewish people are still a distinct people group to this day. Okay? So just kind of interesting how that works. So that 
worked, apparently. Uh, but, uh, but the other reason for the law was to show the Jewish people that they couldn't keep it. That there was no possible way that they could keep the law perfectly, which should remind them that they needed saving. That they had sin in their life. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and he's like, hey, you guys follow all these laws, but there is no possible, I mean, I mean you break them. Like, there's no possible way that you can, that you, can you know, obey every single one 100% of the time. And so Jesus comes aside uh, on the scene, and he says, hey, we're going to move that aside. Here's the new law that I want you guys to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's just keep it simple, which I'm really glad he did that. He didn't give us 600 something commandments. He gave us one, two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And so James, what he's doing is he's pointing to what Jesus had to say. He's like, hey, remember what Jesus said. Love your neighbors as yourself. And if you do that, he's like, man, you are doing good. Good for you. Great. If, however, you show favoritism, which all of us do, he says, you commit sin and you are convicted by the law of transgressors. I mean, you are a law breaker. For whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. all right? You might think you're pretty good because you are really good at, hey, during this time or sometimes, you know, these, these things I do really well. I'm really kind to these people, but not these people. He's like, you're breaking it. Just because you're kind to some people, you're still not kind to these people. You're breaking it. He says, for he who said, hey, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. He's bringing up the Ten Commandments here, just as an examples. He says, so if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, he's like, you get it? You're a law breaker. He's saying what people do, this is what all of us do. We, we are all fall under this. We look at some things, we, we tend to value the things that we do really well, really high. And then the things that we miss on, we kind of like, oh yeah, there's that too, but we don't, we don't focus on those. And so we take, you know, we take pride in, hey, I'm really good at doing this when it comes to morality and stuff like that. And so James is like, hey, you've heard the commandments, right? The Ten Commandments, do not commit adultery, uh, do not murder. He's like, let's say this. Some of you guys, you're really good because you've never committed adultery, and, you're, and you'll tell people that. And it's like, hey, look at you. Look how great you are. You've never done that. You've kept this commandment. But he's like, hey, but then if you go out and murder somebody, you've broken it. You might be really good at this one, but you still broke the law as a whole. And then he ties that to favoritism. Let's look at one more commandment. Do not lie. Okay? If I were to ask you, hey, are you a liar? Probably most of us in here, we're normal, you know, good people. We should, our, their answer would be no, right? Are you a liar? Answer would be no. But then James would come along and he would say, have you lied? And be like, well, yeah, yeah, a long time ago or when I had this. Or this was the situation. You got to understand. And then James would be like, well, it doesn't matter. You're a liar. See, we don't like that. We don't like to think about that. We don't like to view ourselves that way. We say, I'm not a liar. I'm just once in a while I accidentally lie. But James comes on the scene. He says, no, no, you are a liar and you've broken the entire law. It's the same thing with favoritism. You can't pick and choose the things that you do well and say, look at me while you're doing something wrong over here. You might be a good Christian person. You might go to church every week. You might give to the church. You might be nice to everybody and just a really all-around good person. But if you're showing favoritism, once in a while, he's like, man, you're breaking the main law. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. He's like, you're breaking it. See, I think most of us, we don't mind loving our neighbors. We just want to choose the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Where he's like, I just want to, I, I want to pick and choose the people that I'm around. I think there's no better example than that than people, yeah, what do we call it? Like church shopping, let's say that, or looking for churches. I've seen this with young people, uh, people in college. I've seen this with older people. I've seen this all throughout the board, okay? So this covers really everybody. But uh, this, is, this is what I'm saying. I think our tendency is we want a church that looks exactly like us. It's easier for us, right? We want a church that looks exactly like us. We want a church that with the people our age, with the same lifestyle, who are in the same stage of life, who have the same interests as us, the same political affiliation, whatever it might be. That's what we want in a church. We get that. Let me ask this. We get that the church is supposed to be made up of all different kinds of people, right? Do we understand that? Okay, sometimes I think we forget. In fact, remember God made us that way? It wasn't on accident. He made us that way on purpose. And guess what? It's actually good for us to be with people that we're not like at all. Do you know that? All right? To be with a variety of people. That's one thing that I love about this church. Is sitting here today, right now, this very second, we got highly educated people sitting next to people who didn't graduate high school. We got men sitting next to women. We got Elementary kids sitting next to not-so-older people, okay? <laughs> we got people with resources and have plenty of resources we, sitting next to people who don't have anything and are living paycheck to paycheck. By the way, this is how this church is supposed to look. This is how it's supposed to look. It's supposed to be this way. I've talked to so many people where, it's, where they, they come and, and, you know, people have different ideas of all kinds of things. And it's like, yeah, I want to go to a church that's more of my age group. And again, this is young and this is old. And so some people, it's parachurch organizations, which are good. Our church supports those, some of those, you know, it can be good. And, um, but it's like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is my church. Or other people, it's a Bible study maybe. And it's like, you know, me and my friends, we get around and they always go, quote scripture like when there's one or two, Jesus says, when there's one or more, you know, two or more in my name, I'm there. And it's like, yeah, 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 I get that's the church. But uh, it's interesting when you do that because it's like, I want to be with my friends and I want to, this is my realm. This is my domain. This is my church. You can control everything in that. But what you're doing when you do that is that you're kicking the poor guy out, or sorry, you're not kicking the poor guy out. You're making sure that the poor guy never finds you. You're not kicking the old couple out. You're making sure that the old couple can never find you. You're not kicking the college kid out. You're making sure that the college kid can never find you. You're making sure that the people who aren't like you are out of the picture. And James tells us straight up, he's not beating around the bush. He's like, hey, that is evil. It's not how Christians are supposed to act, and that's not how we're supposed to think. He says, man, that's evil. Not saying that it's bad to be with people who are just like you. Of course not. But we are also to be with people who are not like you at all. That's the church. That's what the church is supposed to be. See, really, it's supposed to be like the only place in this world that we see this. Everybody come together. Everybody on equal playing field. The church. And the BMV. <laughs> only everybody there is more angry. Um, But Jesus, he's our perfect example, right? Like he hung out with everybody. 
He sat and talked in the rich religious leader's house who have tons of money. He sat, he sat and talked with them for hours. But on the flip side, Jesus, he, uh, he went and sat, on, sat by the well talking to the lowest in society. Jesus, he did not show favoritism. And we as the church should not show favoritism or treat people different or value some, others, uh, uh, value some above others. I, it's interesting because when I'm studying stuff in the Bible, getting ready for Sunday morning, it's interesting because God just like, it's kind of rough because all week he's just like hammering me with like, you do this. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm evil. I get it. Please stop. <laughs> but, uh, but with this, I, I'm, I'm looking at my life and I'm trying, I'm like, where do I do this at? You know, that type of thing. And I was, uh, I was at Lowe's this past week. I'm always at Lowe's. I, that's my like second home. I'm there. I should buy stock in Lowe's, really. It'd probably be better for me. And, uh, and when I'm at Lowe's, all my money goes there. When I'm at Lowe's, I, uh, especially here in Tiffin, I always try to look happy. You know, some people that just don't look happy. Like, I'm always trying to, like, I try to say hi to everybody. I try to smile. And uh, some people, when they're not smiling or they don't look like they want to talk, you give them the nod, right? Guys, it's like, all right, and that's cool. And so I do that at Lowe's, especially here in Tiffin, because people are coming to check out the church every week. There's new people, you know, and, and I don't want to be the jerk of a pastor. And, you know, that shouldn't be my only uh, motivation, but that's, that's my, maybe my biggest motivation. Whether that's good or bad, it's probably, I don't know. So anyway, I, uh, so I just want to be kind. In fact, we should all be that way more often, and I have to work on myself because I'm not naturally this way. And so uh, this past week, I'm in Lowe's, and I'm walking through. I'm saying hi to everybody, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm going down an aisle, and this guy is walking towards me, and he's a, he's a Lowe's guy. He's got his red vest on, and and when we get ready to pass, I'm getting ready to say hi. But then I notice something. Instead of him looking at me, he turns away and looks down and then, and then walks past and then walks, keeps walking. And I don't say hi because it's awkward. And so as I'm walking down the aisle towards the end of the aisle, I'm like on supervisor and manage, manager mode. I'm going, wow, that's a bad employee. Here I am, an innocent guest. You know, he should be asking me if there's anything I can he can help me find, what's going on. He should at least have smiled at me or at least have said hi. And then God's like, bam, you know, right in the soul. He's, I'm like, okay, I'm doing it right now. I'm thinking, think, think about it though. Here I am, I'm saying hi to every single person except for this guy. Why? Because he's a Lowe's employee. God's not saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be kind to everybody except for if they're on the clock, then it doesn't matter. Right? It's not saying that. Here, it's just an example of we do this all the time. And it's almost like in the morning we got to wake up because we do this. We all struggle with this. It's like we got to wake up and just say, you know what? I am not going to decide how valuable people are based on their face or their appearance or the way that they look or the way that they talk or their age or their money or whether they're on the clock or not. Treating everybody equal. Now, if you're new, here at Grace, our, our, we're a family. Okay, we're a new family. We haven't been here very long. We welcome anybody to come in. We welcome anybody to come in just as you are. We don't care how you look. We don't care if you're different. We don't care how much money you have. We don't care about your past. We don't care what you're struggling necessarily with right now. Um, we want you a part of our family. We have nothing to hide. We want you to ask your questions. We, we want you to have your doubts, bring your anger, bring your hurt that you've had from your past. We'll take that too. 
We want you a part of our family. We want you in our family. And so come back next week. We want you to keep coming. If you have questions, we have answers. This book has answers. But to those of us who are in the family, I mean, you call Grace Your Church Home, you're part of this family, you've given your lives over to Jesus. Man, I really strongly encourage you, like I've been doing this week, to look into how you show favoritism just as you live your everyday normal life, especially at church. You know, sometimes, uh, well, every time we get somebody new here, so if you're new, you're get, this is going to happen to you. Uh, whenever somebody is, comes to church and this is their first time, we always send out a card. And there's a, like a little card in there that's, that just says, hey, give us some comments. If you, how, how was church? How, what, what were you thinking? And so 90, most of the time, our biggest thing, well, by far our biggest thing is people will comment and they'll say, wow, your church is so friendly. So it's like, woohoo, good for us. Look how awesome we are. But... Sometimes we hear through the grapevine, usually these people don't fill out a card, but sometimes we hear, we've heard in the last year of people who have come here to church and said, hey, I'm never coming back to that church because I did not feel welcome there. Doesn't that bother you? And I think it's easy for us to go, well, most people don't have a problem, and so it's probably that person's fault. They didn't put, and, and sure, you're probably right, but they still felt that way. That's on us as a family. See, I think we do this. Here's, here's an easy test that I just came up with on my own. It's not in the Bible or anything, so take it or leave it. But think, this is what I want you to ask yourself. When you come to church here on a Sunday morning, who do you talk to? Do you only talk to the people that you know? Favoritism. Do you only talk to the people who are your age? Favoritism. Do you only talk to the people who are in the same stage of life as you? James says that's not right. All right, that, that's exactly what he's talking about. Do you treat the person who's sitting on the other side of the room as you, who you don't know, who maybe has a 30, 40 plus year age difference? All right, do you treat them the same as you would your best friend? Not saying you have to talk about the same things, not what I'm saying. I'm saying, do you treat them with the same kindness and the same care? Because if you don't, it's favoritism. See, this week, what I really want to challenge you to do is at work and at home, at the store, especially here at church, wherever it might be, I want you to ask yourself, how are you treating people? Whoever they are, doesn't matter. It's not even in the equation. How are you treating people? Those people, even those people that you avoid at all costs. Are you treating them with the same kindness and the same care? That's what we're called to do as a church. And my guess is if you're like me, the more that you think about it, the more God will open your eyes to how often we break this rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. God, we... uh, thank you for loving us, and we thank you for caring about us. We thank you for these words that you have given us. And God, we ask that you would help us to not show favoritism, to, to favor one person over another. God, we ask that you'd help us show kindness and caring to everybody really equally. Help us not to judge 
people based on the way they, they look, talk, age, whatever it might be. Because you don't do that. And you didn't do that for us. God, we ask that this church would be welcoming and that you continue to use this church to reach the people in Tiffin and Seneca County for you, God. And we thank you so much for bringing this group of people together as a family so much better than I could have even ever dreamed of. You brought us here, and we have work to do. And God, we thank you. And yes, this in Jesus' name, amen. All right. I'll see you guys next week.